why would you waste $80,000? And this is no knock against them, but a wine spectator or a wine enthusiast where the audience tends to be a bit older and whiter, why not try going after influencers that look like us that can help promote your product to our audience? Because it's simple math. Who on average is gonna live longer? A 65 year old or a 25 year old, right? That to me is just a simple math. And I think the lack of understanding or um, just wanting to learn more, more about how to truly become more diverse is really what's one of the issues with the credibility around influencing. Welcome back to the Swirl Suite, everybody. This week, our special guest is Noelle Burgess. Noelle is a travel writer, a food writer, a wine writer, a journalist. He's all the things. He is the perfect example of when something is for you, it's for you. And nothing is really going to get in the way of your success. As always, before this conversation gets started, subscribe to the Swirl Sweet Podcast, leave us a comment, and share with your friends. Cheers. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us again today. We have a great guest for you, and we have a full house. All the ladies of the Swirl Suite are in attendance this evening. So sit back, relax, and let's get the party started. Hey, no. Wait a minute, wait a minute, radio voice. That was that was very professional. Damn, I've been putting all her molars and everything. Girl, come on. Yes. What's in that what's in that glass? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will be surprised. It's actually leftover bubbly rose from <laughs> Cooper's Talk. I just had to really? put some in the glass. I work okay. I work late. I work on Tuesday, so I was like, oh, I got some leftover. Mm-hmm. But the glass itself, I wish it was the unicorn that Rose Bella <laughs> from Paris or but oh, it's not. I've never been to Cooper's Heart. You ever been to Cooper's Heart? Oh, the one in Rockville is so nice. Is it's it? So nice. The food is okay. delicious. Oh, they got Cooper's Hawk in Maryland now. Oh, it's nice. in Rockville, TT. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Annapolis. I've been to yes, the one too. in Chicago. And Annapolis. I have been to the one in Chicago. And there's one in VA as well, but this one is so much closer. And my cousin was like, let's get a let's get a membership. I was like, you want me to get a membership at Cooper's Hawk? Mm-hmm. No, that's wow. why you have Shades of Vino. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah that was perfect that was perfect timing how was everybody's weekend mine was mine was great i just got back from the vale um wine classic in vale colorado so it was really great to be out there note to every every one of your listeners when you're drinking at altitude you got to be careful so if your normal tolerance right before it gets you know out of hand and you get out of pocket it's four glasses of wine at that kind of elevation cut it in half you want two and honestly, I was doing two for one with wine and water. So every glass of wine that I had, I was down in two glasses of water. I was not trying to have altitude sickness. It's it's nothing. It's nothing to play with. Wow! Tell us more about the event. So the Vale Wine Classic is run by Team Player Productions, and you know they have a grand tasting. They have a bunch of breakout events. So you have hiking and wine. You have, have pigs and Pinot all in Vail. And those that are not familiar, Vail has a Bavarian theme like background. It was actually founded by Bavarian. So what is that? That's Austria, Switzerland, Germany. And I feel like I'm missing missing a country uh, where the Bavarian villages are. 
So it really kind of aligns with that theme, but it was a great, it was a great event. Um, I love Colorado and I love the emerging wine scene there in Vail and Aspen are some of my favorite places to be. So I was honored to be asked to go, but um, again, at altitude, it gets, it gets you quickly. Nice. Nice. No, not getting you quickly, but nice. The Vail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it does. Trying to think. I didn't do anything special this weekend. Everything for me is this upcoming weekend and next weekend, but nothing special. It's just me too. Yeah. Um, I didn't do it, but we had a tour that went to um Crossbinds mm. at Boyd crew who was a friend of the oh, show. Nice, nice. And they had a wonderful time. They they enjoyed themselves. So please go there. You know, their space is open. So please uh, go and support and visit them, which I'm quite sure that's not very hard for people to do. Where are they located? What part of Maryland? Um, Damascus. Oh, okay. That's not too which bad. Which is Montgomery County. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad at all. Tanisha, I saw you were on a boat. Was that last weekend? On a boat. Um, Probably we or during the week they have these electric boats that you can rent by the hour and so one person drives it you don't need a license or anything and then we take drinks on food that kind of thing and just ride out along the canal so it's it's nice so, it's so you can drink video. and drive yeah. a boat i mean you're technically not supposed to be drinking if you're driving the boat oh, i'm okay. never driving the boat because i'm like mm, it sounds like responsibility and I'm not interested in that. I hear so, you know. Um, yeah, I'm usually the one that's just riding and taking pictures and waving at other people. Like that's that's my role. Yeah. No. But that was it. Don't do anything else like exciting over the weekend. No. The boat was the highlight. Got you. I didn't do anything much either. Um, I didn't have the energy. I was invited to the um, the hip hop block party at the National Museum. Um, of African-Americans. Mm -hmm. um, I did not go. I didn't have energy because Beyonce wore me out last weekend. We got to get into our special guest, y'all, because he's a big fucking deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. Hey, here it comes. Noel, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Did you always have wine on the table? Did you travel a lot? Mm -hmm. So, grew up in Stanford, Connecticut in the very, 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 very early 80s. Um, you know, born, born and raised. Um, you know, mother is American, father is uh, Jamaican. So, um, and there's a high population of Jamaicans in, the, in New England in general, especially like the New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts area, for those that don't know. Um, you know, middle class um, neighborhood, middle class upbringing, um, parents all both formally, you know, educated. So, um, you know, it's a pretty good upbringing. Um, Stanford is a, at least even back then, was a pretty diverse place, high amount of African-American, Latinx individuals, but still predominantly white. So always felt like I had my two feet in three different uh, arenas, obviously African-American, Caribbean, but then also trying to uh, code switch in a very white uh, neighborhood in, in White City as well. So I like to joke that if code switching was an Olympic sport, I would have more gold medals than anybody in the history of, 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 hum of humankind. Um, but to answer your other question, yeah, we travel quite a bit. Um, I was fortunate that my parents tried to 
exposed me to a lot of different cultures and places. And I have family all over the world from California to Arizona to, you know, um, the Europe to the Caribbean. So got around quite a bit. I read that you just discovered your love for wine probably <laughs> maybe five years ago. Uh, I was listening to you on a podcast and I, I, I honestly, I was shocked um, because you sort of, you, you came into our lives and it's just like, oh, that's, that's Noel. He's a professional. He is the best. He's, he's the journalist that you need. Tell us how you discovered wine and like your strong path that you're on. I appreciate that. I mean, I mean, for me, when I get into something, it's, you know, head down and almost bullish, right? Like, I'm like, all right, just soaking up the knowledge and learning about it because, I don't want to just stay on the rim and the aesthetics. I really want to learn about the context around that. So to back up a little bit, just growing up in my household, there really wasn't a lot of alcohol to begin with. It was just, you know, like I open up my fridge and even now I don't have six packs of beer and stuff like that in my fridge. Like that just wasn't my childhood and my upbringing, not at my parents' house, not at my grandparents' house. There might've been a liquor cabinet, but the like there's spirits in there, there's rum, sorrow, like things like that. It just wasn't, wine wasn't prevalent in my household. So just never drink it. I knew enough where I would never turn down a glass of champagne at an anniversary party. And we were talking about wedding beer. I would never be like, what is that? Like, I was like, oh, you got champagne. And I knew it was bougie enough that I wanted to stick my pinky out and be like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Right. But I just, I never bought a bottle of wine. You go to college, I mean, what college age person, you know, even when they have the funds is buying bottles of wine. What are you buying? You're buying bad vodka like Dubra or you're buying, you know, and I'm not saying all. I'm just saying most, in my opinion, you're buying a 20 rack of some kind of beer. You're just not going out there at at 21 years old in, in college and doing that. So that was my 20s. And then you fast forward for me, I moved out to California in I think it was 2017 and it was kind of those moments where when in Rome, I'm out here and I live in Northern California and I'm living 15 minutes away from the closest winery. So I remember my in-laws, they have, were members of a couple of wineries in Napa and Sonoma and they're like, you want to do this? And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever, alcohol and spend time with you and, and, and try this out. And I just remember just being like, just looking around and being shocked on just the the culture and the ambiance, right? Like Napa and Sonoma are different for people that haven't been out here. I call them the Disneyland of wineries. Like they're just big, you know, uh, acreage type of places with these structures. And it really is like a Disneyland, like amusement park for wines. You sometimes have rides and all this open area and some of the most beautiful scenery. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing a 70-year-old couple, you know, making out with a glass of wine, you know, to my left a family of three, right, with a dog to my, like, to my right, people my age in their 30s and 40s drinking. I'm like, okay, like, I can get down with this. And then the pairing part is what really put me, you know, put me over because I had never paired food with wine in that way. So to be able to have something and then increase the experience, right, with, with wine, with Pinot, with Cabernet, with Chardonnay, just really got me interested in wine in general. So, like I said, you you saw that podcast. It's only been about five or six years since I've become a quote unquote serious wine drinker. And when you decided to get serious, what was the first thing you did? Well, just ask questions. Um, you know, 
my whole journey in wine has been pandemic driven. So I'm an extrovert. And again, I like to joke if you haven't seen that my theme yet about leading with humor, but um, I like to joke for extroverts, if you really want to punish them, put them in a 2000 square foot box with no one to talk to. And that's the biggest punishment in the world. And because I grew up in Connecticut, I don't get California cold. So we all know the pandemic officially started around March of 2020. In Northern California, it's 50 or 60 degrees. Now, people out here might have triple fat gooses on in three sweatshirts and, and all that stuff. And I'm out there like a light sweatshirt looking at me and I'm crazy because I'm like, I grew up where, you know, negative five was the temperature in March, not 50 degrees. So, you know, for me, I, I need an outlet to, you know, really just help me get through the pandemic. And I've been talking with my wife and friends for a while about like, the lack of diversity in wine and like what I want to see. And I thought wine was supposed to bring people together. And my wife was just like, well, you know, why don't you start a blog or why don't you, you know, start, you know, um, some kind of social media thing. And I started laughing. I'm like, I'm 40 years old. Am I too old to start a blog? She was like, no, like do like do it. So um, I reached out to a bunch of wineries. So y'all on this call, you know, some of the most notable and exclusive wineries are in Napa and Sonoma. And if you call them up today, and say like, hey, can I get in next week? They're gonna laugh and be like, yeah, that's funny. We'll see you in September. But at that time, I would call them up at 9 a.m. and they'd be like, well, what, what, are you, what are you doing in two hours? So it just gave me an opportunity to really get in front of some of the best winemakers in the world and just ask them questions and come from a sense of humility. I'm like, look, I don't know shit about wine, like, like almost nothing. I know red goes with meat and white goes with fish and that's it, right? I mean, you laugh, you laugh, but I'm dead serious. Didn't know about Tempranillo, didn't know about Cobb Franc, didn't know about Riesling. Like I had never heard. I knew Chardonnay, I knew um, Champagne. And at that point I thought all sparkling was Champagne and that, and like Pinot and that was it. Like literally, like no exaggeration. So it just really gave me an opportunity to get in front of the right people and just ask them questions. And they had almost nothing to do all day because no one was, no one was coming and wineries most of them were closed or they were closed inside. And that's really how I got my game up pretty quickly. Thank you yeah. for your honesty. Because a lot of people would not admit that they, you know, they would, they would fake the funk. So <laughs> thanks for admitting that. And um, I think it also helps other people who are wine curious, mm -hmm. um, but they don't yeah. want to ask questions and, and there isn't any, you know, dumb questions at all. Cause again, everybody's palate is different mm -hmm. and everybody, everybody's journey is unique. So again, thank you for that. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with admitting you don't know. I think to me, if we're going to play the look foolish card, mm -hmm. you look foolish when you're talking to someone that knows more than you and you're trying to pretend like you do, like there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong mm -hmm. situation. I'm like, I don't get it, but I want like want to. And I feel it put people at ease in a way. And it was, you know, it was natural, but I think it put people at ease because I didn't come in there saying like, I know all these things and, you know, getting defensive. I'm like, this is what I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about knowing more for a lot of different reasons, primarily, you know, for become a wine drinker, but also to educate others. And I think to your point for people to look at and be like, you know what, here's this 40 year old, you know, grown ass man that doesn't know about these, like these things. And he's coming in there knowing what well, a child potentially knows the equivalency and that's okay. Right. And we will grow together. And, I, and as I learned that I'm going to share it on my Instagram, which I did, 
I'm like, all right, now I know the difference between a varietal and a variety. Now I know what a Cab Franc is and a Cab Sauve is. And I understand that champagne is literally has to be from France. Otherwise it's sparkling wine or something else, right? Cava is from Spain. Like these are the things that I picked up pretty quickly by asking the right questions, right? What a harvest season actually looks like coming back with bloody hands because I'm cutting them on shears. Cause I'm like, nah, I, I got this. I got this at 3 a.m. And then like after two hours, but like, nah, I'm going home. Like I'm <laughs> I have no, I have no interest in 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 doing this. That was my winemaker moment where make or break where I'm like, hmm, is there an inkling of me that wants to be a winemaker? And after that, I'm like, nah, I'm I'm good. So I, I appreciate that, sister. It was it was hard, but it needed to be done. You do this journey with a wine bestie, or you 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 did it solo? I did it solo because at that time, at that time, um, you know, again in March of 2020, you know, again living in a wine country, there's a lot of people that know a ton about wine. I think people were still iffy about like, you know, how do you do that? Do we ride in the same car during the pandemic? Do we meet there? I think just more the more people around, especially during them, we really didn't know how it was spread and you know, we didn't really know all the context around that. I'm like, let me do this, right? I'm sitting at one end of the table and the winemaker or the tasting room manager is sitting 10, 15 minutes away. And I'm going to do that physical part by myself. Now, as far as the education, when I started my IG and started seeing other wine influencers, I would reach out to them and ask questions, not only about wine, but also, okay, like how do you develop a following and how does the algorithm work? And what's the best way, like what's the wine lingo that I can start using right now to at least show that I've made some progress. I think one of the early things was um, when you want another glass of wine, the same thing, you want to revisit it. That was something that I learned like real, like really soon to with a tasting room person. Hey, can I revisit that versus, hey, can I have another gla uh, glass of Pinot, right? So that's why I'm mean, like- That's so simple. People. Like we don't even think about the language that we use because we're so deep into it. So thank you for that. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Um, so I think it was just mostly online at that point. Clubhouse was a big thing. So then I'm asking questions on Clubhouse right then. And that's, we can get into it later, but that's how I met um, the great Julia Coney was literally um, through through Clubhouse. Oh, we can, we can get into it right now. Uh, go ahead. How, you mean, how did you mean Julia? <laughs> oh, God. All right. So um, I think it was it must have been God October and November of that same year, and you know we all needed connection. And Clubhouse was a new thing where, you know, we all, for people that don't know, Clubhouse was it was all talking, like no video, and you can go on there and start chat rooms. And I think at the time she was giving a talk about um, how tariffs are going to end up ruining ruining the U.S. wine market because the tariffs were too high. And she was leading a discussion. And at the end, she dropped her phone number and her email address and said, anyone that's interested in learning more about wine or um, potentially writing about wine, uh, um, you know, reach out. And there must have been about 300 people on that call. She tells me that I was one of two people that actually either emailed or called. And for me, I'm thinking like, here's an opportunity to skip the line in the best way possible, where like, here's someone that at that time was an editor for Vine Pair, had won Social Visionary of the Year Award for wine enthusiasts. She was, do she was doing it. And for me, just to soak up that knowledge and learn what she's learning, not only about wine, but how to navigate a potential career or you know, avenue 
I was like, let me take this opportunity because most people, I think we can all agree, don't necessarily make themselves that available in that kind of public setting. So I went after it and met her. Um, and next thing you know, about four or five months later, my first article about wine for Vine Pair came out. So are you um, tra a, a trained writer as like, i.e. major communication, marketing, or some type of journalism background? You just not like to, okay. Not yeah, not at all. I mean, my undergraduate degree is in psychology from University of Connecticut. And then I have my master's in human resources from the University of Rhode Island. So there was an element of academic writing, right? To get through that, that you need to write like syntax and grammar wasn't new for me, but writing for, you know, a corporation writing academically is very different than journalism or writing for entertainment. So it took, it took a minute to really like grasp that, right? So the best way to explain it is maybe for academia or for corp like a corporation, you're writing three to 5,000 words. No one these days is reading three to 5,000 word magazine article. Like it's not, it's not going to happen. So I remember like the first draft of what I wrote was like a few thousand words and it was just like, yeah, no, like that's not, that's not going to fly. We need you to get it under like 800 words. And you think it's easy to do that? It's not. Right. So it just, you know, it was, it was a, it was really difficult to shift that mindset, but no, not a trained journalist, not a trained, you know, writer in that kind of sense. I have not authored a 500 page book at all, not even close. So what's your creative style like? So how did, how are you capturing your audience? Because that in itself is um, an art. I care more about people than I do about products and places. I know there's a lot of technical writers out there and I love reading that stuff about vineyards and viticulture and terroir. And, you know, sometimes occasionally I like scores, uh, not always, but that's a subject for a different time. Um, for me, the common denominator that I think was helpful for me, especially when my wine knowledge was pathetic, was focusing on people and like diversity, right? As a, black man for uh, four decades i'm like all right this is what i understand and being in hr like dealing with people that's what i really leaned on in the beginning and that hasn't and that hasn't changed i've had many opportunities to write technical articles i'm like i'm not that guy like you want to find someone else but if you want me to come on and interview you know sarita about her her past pretty much what you're doing her her family her first experience with wine you know, and really just go from there, the origin. Obviously, it's hard to talk to any of you guys without bringing up wine because this is part of what you do. But I just don't think it's the focus or the the primary the primary point of the article. I'd rather hear about your life and wine just happens to be a small part, like a small part of it or travel is a small part of it. So that's my, like, that's my creative process, really to get in deep and talk about the overarching issue of race or gender or religion or the intersectionality of those things. And hopefully, and I can't even say hopefully, it always ends up coming up what their actual job is, whether it's hospitality manager, tasting room manager, GM of a hotel, you know, vendor of a wine brand. That's my creative process and really just tell, tell that story. Thank you for that. And I have to say, I think your success has a lot to do with your character because everyone who knows you has nothing but great things to say about you. Um, I don't know if you know, but we've met before. 
uh, it wasn't formal or anything, but I was your psalm at the Roots Fun Gala. And I, I knew who you were. You didn't know who I was. But anyway, I served the table. There was it was a mix of it was a mix of folks at the table. Some were nice and some were not so nice. But I remember when we were like closing up, I don't know if you were uh, aware of this, but you you touched my arm. You were like, you did a great job. I was like, huh. I, yeah, I, I did. I, did. Yeah. I, I, I might have been. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I might have been, you know, three, four, seven drinks in at that point. <laughs> But I do, I do remember because you did such a great job. And I think it's just look, none of us are perfect, but I think it's just some common courtesy. You were, you were not a servant. You were, you know, adhering to us or serving us that night. And you did such a great job. And it's not a game. This was your job and something that you aspire to. And, and the very least I can do is thank you for doing that because you did do a good job. But it it does bother me where people are in these type of roles and they don't make eye contact or they so they don't like the common courtesy, please. And like, thank you. I remember you bringing a glass over to me and I was like, I appreciate you pouring this. Thank you so much. Um, so that's not like, that sounds like me. I'm not going to say I remember that exact moment because, you know, Kimi at that point was just like throwing glasses at me of, of, of wine. So, you know, I wasn't oh, no, I mean, though. because I was I was definitely sober. I had not started started drinking at that point. <laughs> I had not and I had not heard anything like that until you. So much appreciated. I appreciate that, sister. Thank you. Your Instagram looks so luxurious. It just sort of screams <laughs> luxury. <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you face as an influencer, as a journalist for what you do? <laughs> oh, God. So how do we want to attack this? We want to attack it as... Am I a minority going to these luxury events and places? That's one way. Take off the race or the gender and just as an influencer versus traditional journalist. Like, how do you want to attack this? Because we, uh, we could spend you, four Give me both. We got time. All right. All right. Let me sit up for this. Okay. Um, so this is not new for any of us on this call, right? Being in Napa and Sonoma, a place that is not known for its diversity in general, especially the wine industry that is not known for its racial or gender diversity or gender diversity is mostly run by old white men. So when you go into these places, especially me in the beginning, people were turning their head for the wrong reason, right? It's one thing if they turn their head because they know me. It's one thing if they turn their head because they think I'm slightly attractive. It's one thing if they turn their head because they know I'm a delight and they want to say hello to me and that's great. But if they're going to turn their heads because it's like, what is this black guy doing in here? Like that was a lot of, that was a lot of what I was getting where it was just like this uncomfortable double take and the record scratches in the background. And it's kind of like, huh? Like what's, what's he doing here? And it was, it was uncomfortable. And this is coming from a person that grew up in Stanford, Connecticut and is comfortable as anyone can be being around a lot of non-minorities it was even uncomfortable for me but I think it empowered me to really dig deeper and say you know what this is why I'm here so for people that are on this call all of us and we walk into these places that we deserve to be in for generations it's going to be okay I'm going to be here with some type of wine knowledge and even if I don't have it I, I deserve respect and you're going to get and like, you're going to give that to me and I'm not going to lessen myself or lower myself or be smaller than what I am to be in these spaces that I want to be in. And 
it's still, you know, to this day, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's easier now because in the wine world, some people know me, but even when they don't, like people that don't, it's still kind of these things where like, like, what are you, like, what's he doing here? Or look at his hair or, you know, something like something, something crazy, right? Or what happened a couple of weeks ago, someone thought that, and there's nothing wrong with this, that I was on the staff and I was, I was pouring. I'm like, I'm not pouring. I'm a guest. Like we like literally said it to her. I was like, what do you, it's like, what? She's like, oh, can you give me another glass? I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm a, I was like, you see this wristband? Like, I'm a guest here. Like, what are you doing? So, um, that part was that part was challenging, and it and it still is. Go ahead, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. What was her reaction when you showed her your wristband? Like, was it beat red? Was it I'm an ally speech Ugh. that came out? You know. I don't know what's where the ally speech sometimes when you know you're wrong. Honestly, that could be just as offensive and not more offensive. Luckily, she didn't she didn't say that. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. And she turned bright, she turned bright red. And I was like, I was like, it's not a problem. I was like, I'm sure this stuff happens to you all the time. Just and I said it just like that. And well, see, because my style is more, I'm gonna embarrass you or make you think with wit and intelligence versus acting a fool. Now, can I act a fool? And in the past, in my 20s, would I have said something else, some colorful four or five letter words? Yeah, there's a greater chance of that happening. At 43 years old, it's not it's not worth the effort or worth the time. But using some wit or some humor, right, to either, and I, I'm in, look, this, this is public recording. I'll do, I'll be honest with you. I do it sometimes to embarrass them. I'm like, okay, you want to play? We can play, but I'm not going to embarrass myself by acting a fool, right? And just, what's the right word? Kind of solidifying your mind. Well, see, this is how Black people act, right? Because they, you know, right. like, don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, re, uh, what's right, because they expect you to act Reinf Reinforce, right? That kind of ignorant type of behavior. Now, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you back with some wit and intelligence. So that's why I said, that's why Lily, I said to her, yeah, I'm sure this happens to you all the time. And walked off. So, um, go ahead. I like to give them that indignation look. Yeah, <laughs> like they do clutch my purse. Yeah, as you, as as only a only, that side eye that only a black a black mother or black woman can do. We all know we all know that side eye is happening to us, or y'all sisters are doing it to, to someone else. We know that look. Like, like nah, nah, you done messed up. Like that's right. that that's that Walk look. Mm -hmm. That's that look. So yeah, so from that standpoint, it's it's been difficult. I think it's getting I think it's getting better. Um, some horrific actions in the U.S. towards Black individuals has I think sparked, at least on the surface, for some people, and then deeper for others, a bit more compassion and understanding and tolerance. But there's still those those inner circle moments where the real conversations and the real money is made and decisions are made. I don't think we're still in those rooms, but I think it's getting a bit better. So I think that's the, you know, the societal or racial type of part. The influencer first journalism is is fascinating because traditional journalism has obviously been around for a while. And that's how brands are used to um, highlighting and promoting their businesses, right? It's what they know. In those journalistic spots, it's been, again, mostly white individuals, men and women that are the journalists. And as far as publishing, it's definitely old white men that have earned these publications and they're the gatekeepers, right? So telling our black or diverse stories more often than not in the past 
it's someone that's not even from our community that are writing these these are writing these things. Our perspective is, has not been seen. Doesn't mean they're incapable of doing it, but it's like, damn, like you guys are all women on the on the call. Remember a few years ago when Congress got up there talking about contraceptive rights, and it was all white men, not one woman. So I would never say if you have five people on a panel that all five have to be women talking about women's rights. That's not what I'm saying. But damn, can you have at least half? Can you have can you have the majority like majority? Like, do you have a uterus? Can you give birth? Right. So I think in those situations, you know, when talking about black and brown stories, you had no one, right? So I, I bring this up to mention. So there's still a lot of old school boys club when it comes to journalism, but influencing came in and now you have a much younger demographic and you don't have a gatekeeper. Any of us on this call can start our own IG and no one can block us, right? Where you become a journalist, if I'm a publication, I don't have to publish your article. I only have to give you an opportunity to write. So it provided an opportunity for a fresh perspective, a broader perspective, a younger perspective, and then also influencers make more money now than journal uh, journalists. And, and I think there's a bit of, I can't even say it, I think. I know there's a bit of tension between that because a hardcore old school journalist that's been doing it for 30 years makes less than a 26 year old that's draping themselves over a banister at a winery and they're charging $5,000 per post. And that can't be an easy thing to, to deal with. Um, and then lastly, when brands come to me and they say like, look, we're trying to get broader and younger. And I'm like, well, here's a way to do it. I think you need a marketing strategy of traditional press and then also some social media. And they're like, well, uh, this is what I understand. I'm going to spend $80,000 on a, on a ad buy in a major publication. I'm like, well, you already have that demographic. Why would you waste my $80,000? And this is no knock against them, but a wine spectator or a wine enthusiast where the audience tends to be a bit older and whiter, why not try going after influencers that look like us that can help promote your product to our audience? Because it's simple math. Who on average is going to live longer? A 65-year-old or a 25-year-old, right? That to me is just a simple math. And I think the lack of understanding or um, just wanting to learn more, more about how to truly become more diverse is really what's one of the issues with the credibility around influencing. And we can get deeper into that because I, again, I can go for hours. There's a difference between both, but I think that to me is just the general issue there. Not to nerd out too much. I, I Can you hear me? I think that those advertisements and like wine spectator, wine enthusiast, right, aren't targeted for us anyhow. Mm -hmm. Like I've never... Ever, 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 ever <laughs> have looked at one of those ads and go, oh, I'm going to go buy that. Yeah. Right? It's, it, it, it doesn't move me at all. It's not like I'm flipping through Vogue or, you know, whatever and go, oh, you know, I like those shoes. I'll check out those shoes. Wine has never, in print media, never moved me to try that wine. And that's, I mean, that's the challenge. I mean, we know the black dollar. We know the brown dollar in this country and we're, we're wine drinkers or a lot of us would be or would like to be, but you don't even try to advertise to us. And then you take in the age part of it. I mean, like, look, 
what 24 year olds you know that are running to a newsstand if they even exist to buy a magazine at that age a lot of the news and information you're consuming is on television is on the internet is on your phone because you're on tiktok and linkedin and instagram right like that type of traditional media i'm not saying it's gonna go the same way the radio didn't go anywhere when when tv came in remember i mean you probably just talked to our parents I don't think anyone is on this call old enough to remember, right? But when when TV went, okay, I, hey, I want, I, hey, look, I don't want no trouble. That's why I said I don't think anybody. <laughs> so, so, so you know, it's like, oh my god, like radio is gonna die. Radio is still here and just is going strong. It might have changed and adapted with the time. So I feel the same way with magazines, but you can't put them out like you did in the eighties or nineties. People, look, look, my parents had. Ebony, Jet, Essence, Black Enterprise stacking up where like every three months I was like, look, we got, you know, they were like, we got to throw these out. Like, like it was getting to the point where it's pushing the coffee table, making it uneven. That, you know, like that really doesn't exist that much with the, you know, with the Gen Zers. They don't, if they even have a coffee table, they don't have stacks of magazine like that. What do they do? It's this. It's like the phone, right? So you got to add the TV guy to that. I'm sorry. God, TV guy. My grandparents had, what was it? Good housekeeping and, and red, like, like none of that. I mean, right. It's, it's gone, but I still feel in the wine world. That's what you're advertising to, you know, the sixties and the seventies and, you know, the eighties type of culture. And that's just gone. Right. It's all, it's almost all digital now. So Having a foot in both worlds, I feel like sometimes I'm playing HR mediator where I'll have journalists on one side, influence on others, like, no, well, I need you to help me translate. And I'm just like, look, I'm just here to enjoy this fam trip or I'm here to drink. Like, I'm not playing professor or doctor, Dr. Burgess today, right? But I mean, it's always funny what, in all seriousness, why it has to be either or. Why can't it be both? I remember early on, someone told me, you don't have to pick between journalism and influence. And I was like, look, I am so tired of someone trying to put me in a damn box. Like, why can't I be all these different things? Why does it have to be either or? Why can't I put out great articles, but also showcase on my Instagram and other social media platforms how to do things? And it's okay to be here and show luxury events and smile because I'm actually enjoying it and not smile when something is a bit more serious and I want to get it out. Why, why do I have to choose? Like, what, like, why do I have to choose that? So again, that's my spiel influencing versus journalism, but it's, it gets frustrating sometimes where it just, why, like, why do we have to pick? I think picking makes it easier on them. They know exactly yeah. what to do with you. So that's all that's about. Yeah, it's lazy yeah. thinking in some ways. We can I be agree, more than one thing can be true. You can be more than one thing. You can have the career, the partner, right? And the kid. And like, that's okay. You don't have to pick, right? And I think we just need to get away from that where it's like, you can be multiple things and that's okay. I want to say something right quick. I think you can be multiple things about the influencer thing, but mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people, when they think influencer, they don't think of um, someone who is very well-versed or very educated and being able to share the information in that way. They think of influencer as somebody that is just standing in a vineyard, holding a glass of wine <laughs> and, you know, taking pretty pictures. And I think that is where the disconnect is coming from. People are looking at as like, okay, 
So you did that. A lot of people liked your post, but then mm -hmm. how does this translate into selling wine? You take influencers somewhere, they take all these amazing pictures, but does that mm -hmm. mean that they're going to travel to that place? Does that mean they're going to buy the wine? So I think in some instances with um, a journalist, they're like, okay, we know that there is a demographic reading this magazine. We mm -hmm. know that this magazine and someone reading this, this can turn into sales. And that can be a little better quantified than say an influencer. Yes, I do believe you can be both, but I think the word influencer is where the problem is coming in and people have an issue with the word influencer because what they think it is, not what it actually is. I, I couldn't look, I agree with you most of what you're saying. I would let's start with the what I agree with. I there are a lot of bad influencers out there, and but there's also a lot of bad journalists. And I feel with journalism, like you have a bad journalist, but they'll keep bringing journalists back. They don't question it in the same kind of way. With influencers, like they all don't know what they're talking about, or all they do is take pictures. So to me, it's like, let's break that down. If even though their KPIs or their deliverables look different, if the end result is to spread your brand awareness or to sell wine, then who cares? As long as you're not doing something immoral. So like, for example, if we took a 27 year old that didn't know very much about wine, right? 30 year old, and they're just taking cute pictures in the vineyards, but that translated into them selling 20 cases of wine. Do you really, do you really care? You know what I mean? That, you know, that's the question I would ask brands. Now, also getting a grip on what you're actually looking for, because this is one of the questions I'll ask brands. Do you want to directly sell, sell wine or do you want to raise the awareness about your brand? Because I would argue an article that I write about X brand doesn't necessarily translate into sales. It might translate into awareness. It might appease distributors because they can say, oh man, like Janisha's wine was in, you know, had a um, featured article in Wine Spectator. So like, let me work with them. But does that necessarily translate into sales? And it's honestly, it's really a question. Sometimes I, I don't know. The other thing I would say is when brands prefer print over um, like digital or over um, social media, this is, and this is really a question for everybody because I'm I'm trying to get perfect this, this spiel. So I would love your help on this. When a brand says they want print because it's going to drive more awareness and more sales, Let's take your typical magazine. Let's take um, Travel and Leisure. It has 180 pages. Let's say you have a three-page feature on that. And let's say Travel and Leisure has a million people that are actually subscribing to it. How can you guarantee that out of the 180 pages that they're actually reading your article? Is there any way to quantify a print article that they're actually reading the article on you? Does anybody think like, seriously, like, does anybody think there's a way to measure? Now, you know how many people subscribe to the magazine. You know how many pages it has. You know how many page your article is. How do you, how do you measure that actually every one of those subscribers is reading your article? Not without a hook. Not with, I'm sorry. I was, go ahead. I was going to say not without a hook. Unless in that article you have some feedback loop. Mm -hmm. That's the only way they'll be able to um, quantify it. That's the now, so so take that and then so the same article that's on Travel and Leisure website, right? Same exact art, digital article, right? On the internet, we know I can tell you how many people click on it, 
I can tell you how long they were reading it. I can tell you what affiliate links that they're looking at. And then I can come up with a metric where you can actually determine ROI. Similarly, the same thing with influencing. On my posts, I can tell you, you can obviously see how many likes you have, but I can break it down by state, country, region, demographic information around age, gender. You can't do that with a with a print article. You cannot. I, I have a question. No, there's no way. Go ahead. I have a question about the print. Um, do they measure by how many subscribers they have before and after your article? Like, do they have to subscribe just to read your article? That might be one compared to the 1,000 you just named for digital, but I was just wondering. Probably, but then it's probably um, survey information. So they'll send out a survey and say, because otherwise, how would you know? If you go from a million subscribers to a million 100 and there's 40 articles in there, the only way to know that they joined is because of you. So I bring it up to to say, yes, there are horrible influencers out there, no doubt, that either know less or don't know enough about the subject matter. But in the end, if they can prove ROI and they can raise brand awareness or clicks on your website or sell wine, are we so quick to poo-poo them compared to traditional media where I feel like they just have better PR where like, we're the media and you know your article needs to be in here, but you can't even measure if it's actually affecting your brand. The only thing you can measure is either your ego and look, I'm part of it. There was no, there was few better feelings as a journalist when I when I held up my first uh, print article with a Kool Aid smile like this because it because it was there. But in the end, like I'll take a digital article that I can actually go back to brand and say, you know what, this article that I wrote for Hope Living or Forbes. 1 million people actually clicked on the link, right? Half a million people actually scrolled down and read it for more than four minutes. I can't do that with print, right? All I can get from print is someone saying like, Noel, good for you. You had your first print article on food and wine. That must be a big moment. And it felt great, but I can't, I can't measure that. Being on the other end, I often hire influencers and take out advertising or what have you. I think people often confuse, um, like you said, brand awareness as their return on their investment, Mm -hmm. translating it to sales, because Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between brand awareness and someone actually purchasing as a result. I agree. That click may come later. Um, And I think maybe part of the difference between the influencer and the print, not just one, but you have a better idea of that target audience Mm -hmm. that you're going after Mm -hmm. um, when you, when you, hire an influencer because you know like you've studied them you know their background but one thing I would say is I think sometimes the lines between journalism and I you know forgive me and influencing are becoming blurred Agreed. because there's a lot of opinion in journalism mm-hmm. that 
20 years ago, you didn't have that. 30 years ago, it was just just the facts. This mm-hmm. is da 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 da. And now there's a lot of opinion. And sometimes you're wondering, is this an editorial or is this actually print journalism? And I think somewhere we're going to wind up in the middle. Like it won't be as defined as people try to make it out to be. I agree. I mean, I, anything that you're trying to highlight, whether it's written form or digitally, I mean, you're influencing, right? Like pick your, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old, you know, writer or been writing for 50 years you influence people through your dissemination of the facts, right? Or your or your opinion, right? So to me, all of us are influencers. You're influencers because, I mean, you're influencing with your podcast right now. People are going to listen to this and be influenced to take action one way or the other. I agree with you where there's a lot of opinions out, like with, with social media and our rise in technology from the 80s and 90s, it gives someone that, didn't have access to a platform access now. I would say, I would argue overarching, it's a good thing because without it, I don't know if we would have this platform right now because we know the white gatekeepers wouldn't necessarily get, like give it to us, right? Again, what major television station, I'm talking about major broadcast television station is owned by anyone of color, right? Zero. Like we're talking about like major, no knock on the old network, no knock on BET. I'm just saying, right? Like, Zero. And you know what but, happened to the one man who tried to purchase a major yeah. network, and we're gonna leave him. Leave yes, yes. Okay, my bad. That yes, good. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave Doctor Cosby alone. Um, we're <laughs> gonna ride or die for Tyler Perry. Okay, yeah, ex- exactly. Right. So, um, I think it's done more good than not. But I think with anything. You have a lot of bad actors that take advantage or are not putting out credible material. And we have to deal with that. But I think, you know, we'll be the alternative. We go back and then you ladies don't have this podcast. I don't have my my uh, platform because we don't necessarily have the resources, the the history or the access to just start our own television station or radio station or, you know, social media platform. So I think, you know what I mean? I think you... You take the you take the good with the bad, and I think things are changing. Where again, as someone that does multiple things, speaking, um, influencing, write like writing, the lines are starting to get uh, blurred. But I think we're gonna we're gonna correct ourselves, and you're gonna see the credible individuals rise to the top, and the ones that are not are gonna get exposed. Looking for somewhere to advertise? Consider the Swirl Suite podcast. Yep, right here. The Swirl Suite is now open for pre-roll advertisements, mid-roll advertisements, or post-roll advertisements. Some of our packages even include a social media shout out. If you're interested in sponsoring one episode or perhaps more, simply email us at swirlsuite at gmail.com. Cheers. All right, here we go. This is just a short this or that. And the final question is just for you. All right, here we go. This or that, this is for everybody. Write or type? Like write or type? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I know. Um, Write. Write. I'm a writer. I write it down so I can can retain it better if I write it. Me too. I type. (laughs) I can't. I can't spell worth a damn now. Since <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm trying to write stuff. I'm like, cat. Squiggly lines under everything. <laughs> exactly. mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm a writer too. Yeah, I have to write things down. Here's the thing for me though. I'll write it, but then won't go back and look at it. So like I am working through that. I mm-hmm. will have notebook notebooks full of things and then be like, wait a minute, where did I write this particular thing about this thing? Huh. And yeah. So yeah. You'd rather type, so there's a hack, right? So you can write it down and then use, if you have an iPhone, use notes and take a, um, take a photo of it and then it will transcribe it into um, like Word or whatever you want. Mm. Yeah, then I'll still have to go look at that. So it's it's a me problem, not the me. Yeah. It's a Tanisha so, problem. So That's cute because Androids travel. already do that. You don't have to take a picture. No, no, no. Girl, we just been to mute you. Okay. All right. Thanks for playing. So you can just take, you know, the technical challenge old people. You so you won't say that again. Uh-uh, that, that wasn't for you, Glennis. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't for you. Uh-oh. That wasn't Uh-oh. for, for Glennis. Uh, that wasn't for you. I, I don't know what you so I can just take a picture of what I write down in one can, you probably may not can't. <laughs> That's so shady, Tanisha. Leave Glennis alone. Thank you. I mean, it wouldn't be right if I didn't do this. Like, that's why y'all had me here, right? This is. Yep. I'll get you back. Okay. No, no, well, go. Um, Sarita, go ahead with your question. <laughs> Did everybody answer? Okay. So the next one is a hard one. Um, Don't even get mad. Curry or jerk? Curry. Oh, that was easy for you. Nice. Curry. 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 Curry go all day. Mm, God. Ooh, you know I'll eat both. You know I'll eat both. Oh, so I take this to out. a different note. Yeah, it depends on the part of the world I'm in. I'm definitely getting jerk if I'm in the Caribbean, Jamaica specifically. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in Thailand, Bali, or the East, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find as much curry as I can. Okay, light flex. Um, if I'm in Bali, I'm gonna have the curry. <laughs> I, don't, I think you're being kind. Thailand, I, I had all the light. curry. I don't think it was a light flex. Yeah, so? I think it was a flex. <laughs> I mean, so she just got mad about the other thing. So I was just like, uh, slight flex. I just got to ease this one in. Light flex. Um, so when I'm in Thailand, it's definitely curry. Mm-hmm. Definitely, for sure. It's curry. For sure, it's curry. For sure. Mm-hmm. Tanisha, did you say your answer? Oh. It's no, curry. I mean, it's it's, curry. I'm too busy going in on uh, Glennis. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while, Glennis. I haven't stayed up this long in a while. I know. I know. <laughs> Cheers. I miss you. That's why glass is more than four. Uh, curry for me. Okay. Leslie? That's, yeah, curry. Jerk. Jerk for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, This is really tough for me. It was very hard for me to choose. I'm going to go with curry. Um, yeah. yeah, and I really like curry goat. I just had it for the first time last year. It was... Yeah. Oof. Fantastic. Yeah. You, you yeah. Man. I I've, seen, I've seen some of them goats and I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're cute. They're adorable, but they taste so good. Oh my God. Cute. Okay, next. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, next one. Music or silence? Music. This depends. What, what, like, am I home? Car? Am I on a wall? Maybe over this overall, like, overall life. If you had to choose between music 
or silence, like which one you would take? Who is choosing silence overall in life? Like silence? That's weird. Some people are not me. Okay. 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 Let's let's rephrase. While you're working, when you're when you're working, Uh what do you prefer? Okay. Okay. Is your answer still the same, Noel? No, it's 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 silenced because I I groove too I I groove too much and I start singing. Okay. Like yeah, I can't. It's gotta yeah. be maybe not like it definitely can't be music. Okay. Maybe music. <laughs> oh God. Please. A little music. Please. Please. Like, no, I at least need people talking, you know, maybe like, so like restaurant, right, like coffee shop sounds, okay. like something like that. Not yeah. complete silence. Yeah, background noise, like white noise. That makes yes. I could do that, like go into a coffee shop and as long as no one's talking to me directly, but you put on, you know, Mary J and Nas were just here in Napa for the Blue Note. So I've been literally just playing that on repeat. And I'm like, that song goes on. I'm I'm just singing for the next 15 minutes. Hmm. I agree again. I agree. Because you turn on some great report. I'm singing. I'm not writing. I'm not doing what I'm working. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. man, this is my jam. I mean, sometimes I'm, look, I'm going to go on this tangent. Like, sometimes I'm mid-sentence. I forgot where I was recently, and I heard Anita Baker, um, Same Old Love, and literally was mid-sentence and just stopped and started oh, singing. It. I and I can imagine. Died. And they were like, they were like, did you just stop and just start? I was like, yeah. Or Anita like, Baker every time. Yeah. I was like, yeah. literally like mid Every song, every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think music at work has to be wordless. Like, it just needs to be mm-hmm. like a beat. If I'm going to do music at work, it can't have words. Okay. Uh, right. It's like That's jazz, fair. just some yeah, soft right. jazz. Words, also lyrics. Like I could have used that, but yeah. words. Mm-hmm. Me, <laughs> I, I, I work in silence. Um, I wake up. I don't. I don't turn on anything. Probably hours before my day is started. So, like, I will work for like the first three or four hours with nothing. My husband can't stand it, so I just close my door. You going about your business, and but. I, I love, I love, love silence. Sometimes I drive in silence. Even though I love music, everybody knows that. But I start my day with silence. All right, next one, Napa or Sonoma? I'm a, I'm going to go with Sonoma. Sonoma. I, I, Sonoma. I, live here. I live here, and I think from top to bottom, um, Sonoma is, is a little bit better. Yeah. Because Napa has gotten so commercial now. It's just... Yeah. It, 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 it's, for me, it's not as authentic as it used to be. So mm-hmm. I'm a big snowman. Uh, Sonoma here too. Yeah, that's my yeah, answer. It's, it's difficult. I mean, I'm kind of being tongue in cheek, but one of the ways I describe it to want the wine enthusiasts to come up, I'm like, look, some of the too many places in Napa, you need a, a top hat and a three piece suit and a ballroom gown to like go wine tasting. Otherwise, you feel out of sorts. Sonoma, you can walk in with tank top flip-flops and no one like no one's gonna even blink and I think just the level of approachiness you know in Sonoma is just different like you just feel I think overall more invited doesn't mean that it's not places like that in Napa I just think there's more of them in in Sonoma and it's part of the reason why I live in Sonoma County versus Napa County I forgot to ask you this when Hmm. did you move to California and was it for a specific reason yeah, it was. So um, I was in New York living in this small little startup you guys may have heard uh, called Google reached out and they were like, hey, 
um, you know, we're interested in interviewing you for HR job. And that's how I ended up moving out to, you know, California. Um, and I've been here ever, like, ever since, because HR was my main job up until uh, earlier this year with all the tech layoffs. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Absolutely. Jay-Z or Nas? Nas. Nas, most definitely. Nas. Nas. I'm just... Oh, my God. Nas. You know... <laughs> It's just, you know, I, I'm big about moments and like nostalgia and just like the context around something. And I feel the first time I heard it ain't hard to tell. I mean, I still to this day, like I remember I was literally calling myself half man, half amazing forever because I heard him say it. And like, look, love, love, love Jay-Z, love Hove. Um, but for me, it's just it's Nas. Nas two. Tanisha. I don't need no explanation. Nas three. Got you. I um my my husband is a big like hip hop fan. Um, uh, we're both music heads, but he's huge, huge into uh to rap. So I asked. I said, what what is the difference between like an old rapper and like a new rapper, but the same person? Like, what changes over time? And he was just like, oh, they're mine. They don't rhyme the same. They don't sound the same. And he was like, but Nas. He still sounds the same. He's still good. So mm -hmm. I'll go with Nas too. I mean, he was killing on a blue note. Like he's like, I mean, his skills have not mm -hmm. diminished at like at all. He was up in there. I mean, maybe the musicianship has changed in the sense of, you know, adding strings and, you know, jazzing it up, you know, some like the beat, like when the world is yours came up and like literally it felt like the cello was playing at the beginning, which you can you go back and listen to it now, you could totally see like how you can have an orchestra playing the beginning of that. But other than that, his lyricist skills are exact like exactly the same. That is anything I've gotten better. That is so very true. And I'll give you another example. Um, people might not say Snoop is very, very old school when you talk about hmm. New York rap, right? But when you look at the lyrics, lyric lyrical skills of Snoop. And I love DMX, but don't get me wrong. But when they That's did the verses, Snoop was helping him with, <laughs> with his own lyrics. I was like, "Is any does anybody else understand and hear this?" And but I love oh. that, was, that was one of my top three favorite um, like Lily verses when that got up there. Just X growing up in the you know New York area. Like I remember exactly. when he dropped. It was just it was just great to see him in general. And then with Snoop, I was like, it's it's perfect. Like that was oh, oh that, was, that, was one of my, that was one of my favorite Gladys, Gladys Knight and um Pyla Bell. Right. Was another one. Like there was there was some great ones, but yeah, that Snoop and DMX one. Over the top. I was like, Whoo! I was like, hey, I was in my own house, Jim. Man, <laughs> what? I was like, help him out, Snoop, because you know he Depends on what they get into, but we get, that's not what this, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was about to go down, right? <laughs> oh, so, my like, uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where's this going? This last question is for everybody. If okay. you could have any artist perform, the uh, alive, any alive oh. artist perform at your next birthday party. I'm going to be strategic about it because I'm going to just say, like, if I say this artist, that means they get to bring out um anyone that they've ever performed with like on a record right so for me alive is gonna be mary j because that means i get to bring out 
meth. I get to bring out Ghostface Killer. I get to bring like I get to bring out all these people. Jay, like you know, Hove, anybody that she's saying like because you know some of the best to me some of the best. Now I'm gonna say some the best hip hop collaborations of all time. She was on them. Whether it's Can't Knock the Hustle, right? Whether it's you know All I Need with Meth, like just she's just on them. So to me, I'm gonna say Mary. Her collection alone, and then anyone that she's done a duet with, or she was featured on, or because then it's like I can bring anybody. I was looking at my wall because all of them, all of them are dead. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. She said a lie, so that's why I'm like, right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. I wanted to make it easy for y'all. Yeah. Oh, a oh, Greg Reporter, hands down, hands down. Ooh, that man's funny. voice reminds me of Marvin a little bit. It's just sultry. His range, his the jazz, the funk, the R and B. The oh, I can't wait to see him again. So it's definitely great. Right I think I would have Jill Scott. That's a good one. Oh. That's, 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 that's jazz festival too. I think Turned I would have Jill Scott for home yeah. for me because it's still chill enough. It's not like we about to go crazy dancing on top of tables, throwing stuff. Like it's not about to be wild, wild. Oh, but it's still gonna be a good time. It's not gonna be a whole bunch of slow ballads. It'll still, you know, it'll be a nice little. It'll be vibey. Jill Scott, you're gonna have to make sure everybody's over the age that they're of good age, of a certain age, because she can get a little. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't know no kids at this point. Okay, I don't know no. I don't. I play. I play Golden at least once a week. Jill is the bomb. She she did a marvelous job at No Suggestions. Um, I, like I am surprisingly, you. I'm going rap. I'm going Dougie Fresh. I thought about him. I'm and going was Dougie like, Fresh. You know, that would be yeah. a time. It's a party. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going yeah. with. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He, he's not aging. He's just time. I mean, just, it's amazing. He looks exactly like I he looks, yeah, he looks exactly, living. yeah. Exactly yeah, that's still living. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Thank you for not, thank you for qualifying this with had to be alive. No problem. I know I got to give details. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> well, that is our show. Noelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. When I saw the invite, I'm like, I absolutely have to do this. So I'm really appreciative for what you guys have done. So again, sisters, Black women, entrepreneur, business business individuals, like I just love this podcast. And to be able to just to talk real on here is something I appreciate. Because sometimes you go on podcasts and it seems very robotic. Sure. And we we'll have their talking points. And I'm just like, yo... If I wanted to watch a movie, I watch a movie, something that's scripted, right? It's like, seriously, like, I want to come on here and, you know, be loud, be silly, get off topic, curse, not curse, and yeah. you know what I mean? And just really be able to speak. So I appreciate y'all sisters for what you do. Hopefully I'll be invited back. Uh, I didn't bore nerd out too much on this, um, but really appreciate what y'all do for for the culture and, and for the wine business. Trying to make us tear up at the end. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. It is Aww. not my intention. It's at all. It's, just, it's just so important, right, for us to be able to do these things. It's a 360 approach. You have people that are distributors. You have winemakers. You have people in front of the camera, behind it, podcasts, books, authors. You need all, all of it, right? 
Yeah. We need to be able to own more of our, our of our stuff. And like, you know, obviously I'm going to go on non-diverse podcasts, but I want to be able to say I'm going on diverse podcasts because I'm a diverse man talking about wine diversity, right? And that's important to me. So we need more podcasts like this. And I really am truly honored that you guys have me on because you could add anybody. Listen, of course, like I said at the beginning of this episode, you're a big fucking deal, so. Yeah. <laughs> you got a, I got a big fucking head. And that's that's a, that that. My mother, as my mother that says, that. like you got a. Thanks for joining this world speed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us five stars, and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up, Glenn is at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino Three Hundred One is Leslie. And you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media.
Uh, Noelle, before you go, please tell everybody where they can find you. I mean, not that they would know, but please tell them again. All right. So um, you can find my work just by typing in Noel Burgess with the two dots that are called the umlaut um, Burgess, and it'll pull up uh, all my journalistic articles. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. M-R, Noel Burgess, N-O-E-L-B-U-R-G-S-S. And then in a few weeks, my website should be launching in September. I'm hoping right after Labor Day, which is simply just noelburgess.com. It'll be a repository for all my journalistic work, um, but also I'm going to have like special blogs, networking opportunities, ways to work with me, um, and just like your guide to diverse experiences. So when I go to a certain place and it doesn't make sense for editorial, I might end up writing a three, 400 word blog, putting out itineraries. Just again, think of it as almost like a green book of places in the world that I can go to and how to navigate them for those diverse experience. So that's again, noelburgess.com launching, hopefully fingers crossed in September. Looking forward to it. Look, definitely looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. No, absolutely. I look forward to coming back and diving more into travel and food and let's do it. Let's get a book for this year. Almost right. definitely.